place accountably. I want to say a few words tonight about um, emotions and precepts. Um, precepts, as you know, is the, um, are the ethical guidelines of Zen and of Buddhism. Um, examples being um, not praising oneself at the expense of others, not harbouring anger, etc. And um, in traditional Buddhism, the, the ethics of Buddhism are known as um, sila, S-I-L-A, or sometimes it's, it's spelled S-H-I-L-A, shila or sila. When you look at the meaning of the word sila, it means to cool down, um, to cool down, to calm down. So you can see what the function of the precepts are, is that often um, when we do something that creates harm or disharmony in the world, um, we're agitated or heated or reactive in some kind of way. So the antidote is to cool things down. Um, one of the... One of the emotions which would more um, obviously be identified as being an, an emotion which is a negative emotion and if it wasn't managed well would come out um, in harmful kind of ways um, or, or create disharmony is anger. Um, in its more extreme forms you see it in, in violence, domestic violence, war, etc., abuse, abusive language. Um, but if we see those more extreme versions of it, it might be worthwhile just also exploring what are the more sub subtle forms of anger that we experience. Like, you could help me out with this, but some of what, what are some of the other words that, that describe more subtle forms of anger, like as being frustrated, for instance, um, or annoyed, or peeved, what would be some other ones, just to get a flavour of it? Resentment. Resentment, yeah. Impatient, impatience. Withdrawal. Yeah, could be, yeah, like in passive, passive aggression, yeah, yeah. Any others? Irritated. Irritated, yeah. That's probably enough. Get the picture. <laughs> it's got, it can come in, come it can come in very extreme forms or any emotion can come in sort of very mild forms as well. But to take anger, first of all, as an example of an intense emotion that if not managed well could lead to harm, um, it's the most obvious one that comes to mind, you know, so... But in its more subtle forms, um, if, you, if you reflect on it, it's anger which is behind, or irritability, which is behind impatience for instance, you know, and, and if you look at what impatience is, it's like we don't, just don't like the way things are turning out or the way they are, so we're pushing against it and we're kind of irritated by it, and that creates a kind of agitation within ourselves, or then we express it in some way. Um, but be that as it may, it, one of, so if we're working with precepts, then one of the skills that we've got to develop is to be able to recognise and acknowledge the emotional states that we're in. Because if we don't do that, um, we're, not, we're not taking um, ownership 
of what we're actually experiencing and what, what the actual engine is that's driving our behaviour. Right? So you get, you get beneath the behaviour into the actual feeling um, and then acknowledge it, then you can work with it in some way. But if the feeling's not acknowledged, um, then it's very hard to move forward with the precept. And sometimes we don't acknowledge um, emotions because it doesn't fit into our image of what we think we are or the conditioning, the social conditioning it is. To give you, give you an example along gender lines, um, nice girls don't get angry, right? And tough men don't experience anxiety or get stressed. You know, they're cultural stereotypes, you know, and if you if you're bought into the cultural stereotype, then there can be um, a, um, a, a pattern of not acknowledging those emotions which are there. Um, and also, um, well, people like Zen teachers or yoga teachers, you know, are supposed to be calm all the time, right? If that's their self-image and then they're angry, well, they're not acknowledging, or they're stressed, they're not acknowledging the actual emotion that arises. So all of these kind of identities that we create for ourselves can actually get in the way of actually acknowledging the full range of our emotions in our, in our emotional repertoire. Now, anger is a more obvious one that drive, can drive our behaviour in negative ways. One of the other emotions, just to name, that, name it, which I think flies under the radar, um, but it's actually behind a lot of controlling behaviours and disharmony um, in human relationships, is um, anxiety. Um, now, if we were to just brainstorm what are the different types of anxiety or fear, what would they be? The stress, anxiety, fear, terrors down one extreme. Um, what would be others? Hmm? Concerned. Concerned, yeah. Panic. Panic, agitated, yeah. Loss of control. Loss of control. Yeah, yeah. Maybe vulnerability or feeling that. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Fear Although, of failure. Yeah, that's a type of that's a type of fear, yeah. 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 I thought that could be anxiety provoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Performance anxiety, yeah. Um, so we're getting an idea of, you know, they can be extreme or they can be subtle kind of emotions again. But that's the one I think that, that flies under the radar. Anger is the one that gets all of the, all of the, the headlines with domestic violence and so on. Um, but generally speaking, when people have um, unacknowledged anxiety or excessive anxiety, sometimes there's a good reason to be anxious. Um, but if it's excessive anxiety, then what often anxious people do is that they see that the problem's outside of themselves. Um, so circumstances have to change around them or other people have to change to reduce their anxiety. Um, and if there's not ownership of that anxiety, it'll keep being acted out in that way and it will cause disharmony. Like, say for instance, with overprotection of children, it actually causes disharmony, it's not a healthy thing. Um, people who 
are extremely and excessively tidy or clean or whatever um, annoy the hell out of people who live with them. Mm -hmm. That can come out in those ways as well. Um, it can lead to controlling behaviours where other people have to stop doing things or change something so that the anxious person can calm down. Um, there's many different examples of it I could think of from clinical practice. Um, but one, one example comes to mind of one woman who married into this family and um, they had to change their dishwasher um, because she was, had this obsession about germs. So they had to get a super-duper dishwasher that would definitely kill all the germs off. And so they bought a new dishwasher, right? And it's kind of, it's, it's putting the problem out there rather than the person who has the, the heightened anxiety going, this problem's inside of me. It's not the outside that's got to change. I've got to acknowledge that the anxiety is in here and then I might have a way of managing it. And then I might have a way of not controlling other people or creating disharmony with it. But that one flies under the radar. And um, where Zen practice comes into play here is that we just pay attention. We're like a, a mirror when we pay attention to our own experience. We're like a mirror that doesn't distort what is there. So if something beautiful is there, it reflects that. If something ugly is there, it reflects it. Something pleasant, something unpleasant, it doesn't tell a lie, a mirror. And that's the, the metaphor of how we turn up to look at our own experience. The other thing about a mirror, and this is the most important point here, a mirror doesn't judge. A mirror doesn't judge and say anger is bad or anxiety is bad or remorse or shame is bad or whatever. It just says it is. It's a, it's a certain energy going through us that we can put a word to to identify. And it's because people will judge their emotions in negative kind of ways that makes it hard for all of us to actually acknowledge them. You know, anger is bad. Anxiety is weak. Whatever it might be. As soon as we get out of that, get into that non-judgmental way of just experiencing our emotions, then we can acknowledge them and acknowledge them easily. And then it's through acknowledging them that we manage them more effectively and our behaviours become more harmonious in the world. So the precepts are there. You can see them in two different ways. It's about not doing harm. Um, but the other way of looking at it positively is to create harmony. People can't stop having emotions. You can't just say you're going to stop feeling angry or you're going to stop feeling anxious or whatever. Um, but if you acknowledge those emotions, then um, you don't have to automatically be caught up in the reactivity or the reactive behaviours or the reactive speech that comes with them. You know, you've got a way of pausing with them and then responding appropriately. Um, rather than, than being reactive. Another emotion um, is the emotion of um, shame or guilt. And often people, I think it, my sense is it's more of a contemporary phenomena that um, people can't acknowledge their guilt or shame. And I think, that, think of guilt and shame as just being a bad emotion. You shouldn't feel that at all. But if you look at the word remorse, 
you know, which is a, a positive um, manifestation of guilt. Like you've, you've done something to harm someone or harm others and there's a healthy kind of acknowledgement of it. Well, that, that's a good experience to be able to do that. Um, but often people find their, their guilt so toxic or their shame so toxic that they can't even go there and they can't even acknowledge remorse when it's appropriate to acknowledge remorse. So again, a, a harsh judgment's made of that emotion and then it's not integrated, you know, and it's not wholesome and it leads to someone who can't acknowledge guilt or shame and can't acknowledge remorse, well then they never take responsibility for their actions, they're, they're blaming others. There can never be a, a way of just owning a mistake mm-hmm. um, and having a harmony with the fact that you've owned that mistake. So in the internal management of emotions, as we practice with precepts, um, it's a first step of coming to a sense of um, um, at one you know, a sense of harmony with the way we actually experience our inner life. That it, just acknowledging it is an act of harmony and that's the place that we need to start so we can then, um, uh, instead of being agitated and heated in our reactivity to the world, it comes from a cooler place, comes from a calmer place. So the precepts aren't just about ethics and morality, they're also about um, the emotional energy which is behind our behaviour and we need to look at both um, if we're going to have a, an integrated practice. <laughs>